0: Today on The Evangelist Podcast, Trinity in the Old Testament. The Evangelist's Podcast. Encouragement to speak life to a needy world. With Glenn Scrivener and Andy Brinkley. This is The Evangelist Podcast and we're uh, looking at the Trinity in the Old Testament this time. We're going to be talking about a debate that you did Glenn with Musharraf Hussein, mm-hmm. who's an Imam from Nottingham? That's right, yeah. That was a few weeks ago now. I think we must have
1: recorded that at the end of June or something? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, a while while back. So um, Justin Briley has kept it in the can so he can go swanning off on holiday and that sort of thing, I imagine, (laughs) and having having a lovely August. But um, so, yeah, so it's been a while since I actually had this debate, and I've forgotten half of what I said, and then I've worried about the rest of what I've said, and... It's it's funny, you know. You just, just you're in the heat of battle and yes. in the moment, and you say things. And I I wonder whether they've come across or not. Yeah. Uh,
0: but I'll let other people be the judge of that. And you always think of things afterwards that you yeah. sh- should I could have said it better, or I know. if only I'd taken this route. You know. I know I was brilliant about three days after the debate. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They we'll say the best time to write a book is two years after you've written it or something. Yeah, I think
1: oh that's so that's so true. I remember recording um the three two one audiobook. And and literally the, the, the little internal monologue that was going on in my head as I was reading out the three two one book was oh, I wouldn't have put it like that. I wouldn't have put it like that. <laughs> you did. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. You did. The
1: other half of my brain going, You did put it like that, Glenn. Shut up and read. <laughs>
0: Oh, dear. What have you been doing in the meantime since the debate? Since
1: the debate, I have been tweeting,
0: obviously. Um, main,
1: mainly just tweeting. Um, I have been... Writing. Writing. That's <laughs> Yes, you've had to remind me what I've been doing. I've, I've uh, written uh, one book called either Long Story Short or Bible Express. Right. Um, Long Story Short is a better name, but there are other books called Long Story Short. If it's Long Story Short, it'll be something like, Long Story Short, The Bible in 12 Famous Phrases. Right. Something like that. Um, Or if it's Bible Express, see there's a double meaning with express? Is it an expression or is it an express train? Ah. Hey, hey. Um, A whistle-stop tour through the Bible. Um, So, yeah, 12 chapters, which are hopefully quite punchy, you know, only only about 2,000 words per chapter, Mm. which is only, you know... A handful of handful <laughs> of pages, yeah, yeah, with, with verbose me, yeah. So this is a, a fun, fast-paced. Bible overview Mm. that assumes no prior knowledge. So you could give it to a non-Christian friend, um, or I I think where it might have the most traction is actually with a new believer, giving people a bird's eye view of the Bible and and, uh, just orienting themselves to the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And I hope that will be really um, helpful for them. But I also hope it's helpful for for all Christians to see how Jesus is at the center of all Scripture. Mm. That's really what we'll be thinking about uh, in in the podcast today. Jesus right there in the Old Testament, Jesus shaping everything that we believe about God right from Moses onwards. So um, I think that will be a distinctive about this book. There are lots of books that will tell you that there are patterns in the Bible. And and I think when people read a, a Bible overview, they can get excited about a pattern. You know, oh, look, look how there's this theme of exile and return. Yeah. And I think people can get a little bit excited about a pattern mm. for about a week or two. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, I see how the scriptures hang together. There's an idea mm. that sort of hangs the scriptures together. People can get excited for a couple of weeks about that. But I think if they see a person holding the scriptures mm. together, if they see Christ in all the scripture, that, I think, really establishes them as disciples mm. like for life. So that's what I've tried to do, to, to show how Jesus is really at the heart of uh, of all the scriptures from in the beginning
0: in Genesis right through to Hallelujah in Revelation. Yeah. And you're also doing sort of a similar thing, but on a larger scale with reading between the lines. Yes. So you've got sort of a devotional coming up, three hundred and sixty. Five,
1: it'll five be. yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've um, written 366 because I did it in a loop yes, year, But yeah. Um, yeah, so 365 are coming out. So uh, volume one is coming out with uh, 10 of those, which daily readings. So that'll be the Old Testament volume, 180 um, readings there. And then uh, we'll publish the, the second volume ready for July when yeah. everyone will have uh, gotten through the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah so Excellent. that's coming out with 10 of those. So lo- look out for that. That's probably the one that's going to come out. First because mm. ten of those are very speedy, so um, that'll that'll be out in time for Christmas, out in time for mm. your new year 's bible reading plans good and um, we can 't really let this
0: episode go without <laughs> mentioning the christmas the Christmas campaign, campaign. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <coughs> oh the days are coming oh, the <laughs> days are coming
0: yes, so, so for people who haven 't Where have you been? (laughs) Where have you been?
1: Where have you been? So Christmas is a huge deal, and Christmas mini films are a huge deal in the Mm. UK anyway. Certainly, um, you know the holidays are coming. Holidays are coming. You know advertisements when they when they came on TV, people say, "Ah, that's when Christmas begins." When the John Lewis commercials come on TV, people say, "That's when Christmas begins." So we really want to, you know, be in amongst those films Mm. and. With that kind of format, preaching the Christmas story. Because wouldn't it be great to have these high quality mini films that are kind of like the John Lewis stuff, but instead of telling people to buy more toasters, <laughs> um, actually tell people about Christmas? <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's what we're trying to do. And, and uh, yeah, you can go to give.net slash Christmas films and you can help us make
0: them. Yep, and we're sort of crowdfunding to, uh, mm. to get the pennies into. To pay everybody. That's right. Yeah,
1: because we're we're gonna pay real professionals, not just not just like idiots like me, but um, real actual you know award-winning scriptwriters like James Carey and award-winning actors, which oh I can't I can't mention the names, but they are award-winning, <laughs> okay. and award-winning filmmakers and filmographers. So um, yeah, we need we need a few pennies to scrape together, but when we do, I think it has the potential to
0: go large. Mm. OK, well, we're going to dive into the main subject of uh, the podcast today. And uh, this is Trinity. about your yes. um, debate with Musharraf Hussein. Yes. Um, you've written a post on our blog on Speak Life website. Mm-hmm. And just sort of following up really from your debate.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to write um, some more on there as well. So um, I might even stretch to about three posts. Do you like this. a series? Wow. I could yeah, It could be a series. How about that?
0: So, I mean, you've titled it Moses' Doctrine of God is Mm. not Muhammad's. That's right.
1: That was really the issue. Mm. Um, So, you know, I wasn't trying to defend whether the Trinity is in the Old Testament, because it's very easy to say, well, the word Trinity is not there. But that's kind of missed the point, because the word Trinity is not in the New Testament either. The issue is, does Moses, when he writes Genesis to Mm. Deuteronomy, does he describe... A multi-personal doctrine of God. Is the unity of God that Moses you know, describes a compound unity? And I, I think when you press into the details of the Old Testament, absolutely you have to conclude that, that Moses' doctrine of God is not at all like Muhammad's doctrine of God. Muhammad's doctrine of God is that there is one God in one person. And that you know, the God's oneness for the Muslim is a mathematical singularity. Mm. Um, and that's almost mm. the definitional thing about Allah. He has no partners. You cannot associate a partner with Allah. That is to commit shirk, which is the worst and filthiest of all sins. Mm. Um, Allah is alone. He is a mathematical singularity. Is that what Moses is talking about? Yes. When he writes in Deuteronomy chapter 6, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And really the debate was, was me saying, absolutely not. And if you just turn to almost any chapter that Moses wrote, you'll see a very different doctrine of God. Therefore, mm. Muhammad is departing from Moses'
0: doctrine of God. Yeah. What did you learn from Musharraf?
1: I really liked Musharraf and, and um, yeah, enjoy, enjoyed our conversation. And one thing I really learned from him was his quoting a scripture. And he would he would almost in everything that he said say well in Surah one hundred and twelve it says and he would like recite the the you know the Quran in English uh, which which was helpful for us right. um but but he seemed to have a confidence in his scriptures right. uh, which was actually really refreshing and it, and it was a challenge to me and it sort of made me think you know what Masharif he's not just trusting to clever arguments he seems to think that there might be a power to his own scriptures. And he doesn't mind just letting his own scriptures speak for themselves. Mm. And that was that was a challenge to me because I, I came into the debate ready with a whole slew of scriptures. And, and I was going to go through a bunch of different passages in Genesis and then go to uh, Daniel 7. And I was going to show, you know, that... Look, if you take Genesis sixteen verse seven seriously, you know, then you must conclude that you know Moses is proto-trinitarian. And I was going to try and like really nail us down on scripture, and then I kind of, from one angle, from one perspective, I guess you could say, I bottled it because because I, I kind of thought I don't want to, I don't want to get bogged down mm. in this one scripture because he might just dismiss it, and then I've got nothing. And so I tried to make arguments from the whole sweep of the scriptures and that sort of thing. And I, didn't, I wasn't as specific as Musharraf was when he was, he was quoting this scripture. And that's a regret of mine. I, th- I think looking back, I should have, I should have, I, and I did do this to, su- to some degree, and people can listen and, and hear, hear what I did. But um, perhaps I should have more done what Musharraf did, which mm. is to, to say, look, um, Genesis 16, verse 7, let's read all the way down to verse 11. And let's see how, you know, this figure in verse 7 cannot be the same as the figure in verse 9. And let's see how, you know, and, and really anchor my arguments scripturally like that. Um, so I, I learnt from Musharraf right. um, uh, to really anchor my own arguments in, in scripture. Yeah, so, what, what do
0: you think he learnt from you?
1: I don't know. I, what I hope he learnt from me is that the Muslim doctrine of God is not obvious, there's nothing obvious about Unitarianism. There's nothing obvious, which is which is a way of describing the Muslim doctrine of God. The Muslim doctrine of God is that there's one God in one person. Um, the the sort of the Hebrew, not the Hebrew the Arabic word is Tawheed, that that God is one in this absolute sense. He is a mathematical singularity, um, and that just seemed so obvious to Masharif that it almost didn't need arguing hmm. about. And what, that's what I find with Muslims more generally that obviously. God is one in that sense. Mm. Um, and then Christians just need to justify this weird, at best nuance, at worst perversion of the one God I called see. the Trinity. You know, and Christians Christians are always then on the back foot because we kind of we kind of we cede to the Muslim the, the the high ground and we say, Yeah, okay, the one God, you're right, you're right. There's a Unitarian God the same God that Moses was proclaiming. You're right. You're absolutely right. But in addition to that, let me also try and interest you in <laughs> this Trinitarian thing over yeah. here. And the Muslim at that stage just says, no, thanks very much. I'll, I'll stick with Moses. Yeah. And at that point, you know, so, so the Christian loses the argument at that point, I think. But what I tried to do with Musharraf and what I hope that he saw was that there's nothing at all obvious about a Unitarian Doctrine of God, that actually a Unitarian Doctrine of God is incoherent and idolatrous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that's really what I was trying to do. And, and people can kind of read the, the, the blog post and they can see me make, make that point as to why... A Unitarian doctrine of God is incoherent and idolatrous.
0: Yeah. Christians tend to think the Old Testament is just about God and then the New Testament is, you know, the Trinity with God the Father and the Holy Spirit in Acts and that. Right, yeah. But it's a mistake, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think what we, we try yeah. to do is somehow, without reading the Old Testament, we just assume that it's just got this one person called God. Mm. Um, in the Old Testament, and then the New Testament is doing this new weird—it's developing things in this in this strange way called the Trinity. Uh, I think you can only live with that picture in your mind if you haven't actually read the Old Testament, or <laughs> or if you've done such a. Uh, such a 30,000 feet kind of bird's eye view of the Old Testament that all the Trinitarian distinctions of the Old Testament are just a blur in mm. your thinking because you just, you somehow imagine that the Old Testament is um, speaking about one person. You just can't do that when you take seriously things mm. like, and what I was, um, what I did sort of mention with Masharif is, is, okay, the angel of the Lord in Genesis chapter 16 um, angel does not, is not talking about his ontology, it's talking about his function, it's not talking about his being and, and what he's made of, it's talking about his role and what mm. he does. Angel just means sent one, the sent one of the Lord. And instantly we should hear resonances of what Jesus calls himself in John's Gospel. He's the one sent from the Father, who always does the Father's business. So, there is this figure in the Old Testament called the one sent from the Lord who is also called the Lord. Mm. And he speaks as the Lord, and he receives worship as the Lord, and he makes promises as the Lord, and you know, and and he speaks in such audacious terms. You, you have to think, well, it, what is he—mad, bad, or God? Um, you know, to use C.S. Lewis's argument yeah. about Jesus in the New Testament, C.S. Lewis said, "Just listen to what Jesus is saying. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord." Yeah. Go back to the Old Testament and have a look at these figures, like well this this one figure who comes by different names, and one of the fig- not, one of the names is the Angel of the Lord. just look at the way he speaks, look at the way he acts, look at what he promises, look at how he, re- he receives worship, look at the way the scriptures talk about him um, he is He is so obviously God from God, mm. light from light, very God from very God, to use the language of the creeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you press into the Old Testament in its details, you see that Moses' doctrine of God is, is not Muhammad's doctrine of God. It is not that there is this individual all by himself alone in that sense. Um, but there is a compound unity mm. to God's life. There is a multi-personal God in the Old Testament. And that's, that's why in the New Testament, nobody ever has to, like, like the Apostle Paul doesn't, say, doesn't have a chapter called On the Trinity, he doesn't say, right, guys, okay, I know this is really new, this is a really <laughs> novel teaching, and it's really weird, but let me take you through the Trinity and let me lay it out like that. He never does that. Yeah. Like, it's just assumed in the New Testament yeah. because it is the Old Testament doctrine of God. The Trinitarian doctrine of the New Testament is the Old Testament doctrine. It's
0: all one and the same. Folks can, can hear the whole debate on the uh, Unbelievable podcast, and we'll put links on the show notes at tep. Um, so you can actually listen for yourself but what was what was his response to you
1: well i th- i think he he went to surah 112 which is um you know the kind of bedrock of a muslim doctrine of god surah 112 says uh, say allah he is one he does not beget and he is not begotten and there is none like unto him which is the most anti-Trinitarian statement like, anywhere. And yeah. the Quran is just a an utterly anti-Trinitarian book. And, and kind of its doctrine of God is, is, you know, whatever the Trinity is, we're not that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of, you know, what the Muslim doctrine of God is. And so he would come back to that and he was saying, God is not a father and he's not a son. And, of course, my, my comeback was, well, actually, Moses calls God father. So... So the, the God of the Quran is not the God of Moses, right? Yeah. Because Moses calls God a father. And then you know, Musharraf kind of said, "Well, you know, we 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 can't have God being a father and begetting. That's just that's just horrible. It's disgusting. It's you know, it's it's carnal to think of God, you know, begetting a a child like that." And I think it was helpful at that point for me to say, "Musharraf, do you do you really imagine that Christians and Jews believe that God is physically begetting a son, carnally begetting a son?" And he said, "Well, what else does it mean?" Well, I said, well it's a, we've always said it was a spiritual begetting. You know, Moses thought it was a spiritual begetting. All the writers of the yeah. New Testament thought it was a spiritual begetting. We we do not think that this, this happened in time, and we don't think that it happened in the flesh. Um, this is not
0: a physical thing. But the but, fa- but hang on, what do you mean? Because Jesus did come in the flesh.
1: He did come in the flesh, absolutely. Um, but he was already the Son. He was right. already the Son of God Okay, from before the beginning of the world. Yeah. He was begotten before all worlds, God of God, light right, of light. Right, so you're saying that that was a spiritual... <laughs> that was a spiritual begetting. And then, both in the Quran and in the Bible, Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary. Yes. And fascinatingly, in the Quran, they've got no problem with yeah. saying that there's this spiritual, some, this spiritual sense in which somehow Allah causes a child to be in Mary's womb. Um, and that's a spiritual thing. And no Muslim ever thinks that, oh, that's carnal. Um, no, no Muslim ever thinks that. So it, it, you know, it it seems strange for them to to think that it's it could only be a carnal thing for God to beget a son. Um, but uh, so so there was that misunderstanding that Musharraf had about what Christians are saying in terms of Jesus being the only begotten Son of the Father. And and I guess if if the debate did nothing else, I I guess he perhaps for the first time heard that Christians uh, do not believe that God's <laughs> Physically, birthed a son called Jesus um, before the beginning of the world, right. and and that. But, but you know, you you can you can feel sorry for Mashaarath because because that does seem to be the doctrine of the Trinity in the Quran, right? When it says in the Quran, "Say not three, the three that it seems to be referring to are Allah, Jesus, and Mary. Right, right. Um, and so if that's the, the trinity that the Quran is against, then we're well, against
0: that too. <laughs> exactly.
1: Sign me up. I, I too am against that. But um, so, so if 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 the debates helped clarify that in a Muslim mind that Christians mm. are not talking about a, a physical begetting of the son, as though uh, as though God somehow fathered a child. Mm in a physical way um, before the beginning of the world. That's absolutely not not what Christians are saying. We're just saying that before the beginning of the world, the Father has always had a son because he's always given life. The light has always shone out its radiance. The speaker has always communicated his word. So God has always had a son. The light has always had a radiance. The speaker has always had a word. God has always been this outgoing God, and Jesus is that sun, that light, that word. And my point to Musharraf, and my point in the blog post as well, is that if you want to get rid of Jesus from your doctrine of gods, then suddenly you've got a God that does not give life, you've got a God that does not shine, you've got a God that does not speak. Your God is lifeless, Mm -hmm. dark, and mute, And the Bible has a name for gods who are lifeless, dark, and mute. It calls them idols, right? That is why the Muslim doctrine of God is idolatrous. If you commit to uh, a god that does not have this eternal word, that does not have this eternal sun, that does not have this eternal light. You are committed to a lifeless, dark, mute God mm. who is an idol. Um, and so Musharraf and Muslims come home to the true and living God who really does shine, who really does give life, who really does express himself mm. and expresses himself in the Lord Jesus. Yeah. When you come to him, you've got a living God,
0: yeah.
1: not a God who is a prisoner of his own transcendence.
0: Do you, did you enjoy doing it i mean far too much <laughs> and do you think these debates are worth digging? i mean Mush- mushar yeah. obviously came away he was still a muslim when he came away um, we think i don't know <laughs> we, we don't i know. don't know I, I, I mean i sent him an email i haven't heard back from him but, but um, uh i mean do you think do you think the debate's worth doing yeah
1: i i do i think it's 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 worth doing for Musharraf's sake so I don't know if it's genuinely the case that he had never thought that Christians believed that Jesus was spiritually begotten of the Father. I don't, I don't know if he'd never, ever come across a Christian say that before. But if he hadn't, then, okay, he's mm. learned something, yeah. maybe. Um, and there, there might be one or two things that he can never now think, like he you know um, prejudices that he can never now have because we've had a uh, you know i'm sure you know we we all managed to cling to our prejudices we're pretty good at that but there are a number of things which i hope Musharraf now says to himself well uh, i can't really argue that because mm. of what glenn says um we also believe in the power of the spirit and and maybe he maybe it is um sowing seeds in him, in his mind mm. um I Just because of the way that the time ran out, I had the last word in this debate. Right. And listen in to the last word that I had, because I think I landed a, a fairly substantial blow in my final point, to the point where I felt bad that he didn't have a right of reply, because, the, well, the show was over and he couldn't come back at what I said. Now, if, if in the providence of God, God allowed that blow to sort of land on the sheriff, and he's been thinking about that, then, yeah, let's... Yeah, let's not limit the the power of the spirit to actually do something incredible in Musharraf's life. So for that for that reason, I think I think the debate is really worthwhile. Mm. For my own sake, it was really worth doing because you come away from these debates, and I've, I just came away after studying for it and preparing for it, and then coming out from the debate, just so appreciative of the living God, mm. so appreciative that we have a God who shines, who speaks, who you know. What's the other? Shine speaks, gives life. You know, yeah. I I'm so appreciative for the for, and I understood the God of Moses, the God of the Bible, better because From I having prepared because I prepared yeah. and I had to articulate and go back and forth with him. Yeah. So I I enjoyed it. I hope that other Muslims listening in um, would have learnt things and 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 really perhaps even even um, you know come to know the Lord because. Yeah. Uh, from my time at Speaker's Corner, I was always very aware that you might be engaged in a debate with the imam in front of you, but really, it was the the guys hanging on to his coattails yes. behind him yeah. that you were talking to. <laughs> like, really. And they'd never seen their imam lose an argument. Right. And when they see their imam lose an argument, it really rocks them. Yeah. Because for a Muslim, it really is this sense of, um, you know, they, Islam has never had a reformation. It's there's, Whereas... Christians talk about the Bible and the Bible alone and and being able to wrestle with the scriptures by yourself and, and understand them for yourself um, the the Muslims very much are, are, are back in where the Christians were in the Middle Ages you rely on your priest to tell you what 's in your Quran mm-hmm. you know you, re- you rely on your imam to tell you what 's there you might be able to um, enunciate certain Arabic words but you probably don 't speak seventh century Arabic and you need your imam and you need your authorities to tell you things and you just trust mm. implicitly in your imam and hearing your imam taken down is very destabilizing mm. and so we can pray for Muslims listening in um, that yeah, that they will um, they will see that musharraf does not have the mm. answers mm. and perhaps it will make them you know search search for the answers and then and then fourthly I think why it's worth doing is is Christians listening in. Because I think Christians basically assume that the God of the Old Testament is Unitarian. I think Christians basically grant the Muslim premise, which is that Moses basically believed in a Unitarian God, and we just happen to be doing something different. And if that's what you believe, dear me, why aren't you a Muslim? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. um, let's let's you know let's follow. The God of Abraham, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> We're meant to be children of Abraham. Let's follow the God of Abraham. And if Abraham was not Trinitarian, then we shouldn't be either. Um, and I hope I hope that Christians have their eyes open to see how the Scriptures, from beginning to end, proclaim Christ. Mm. Because I think that's that's really where the excitement and enthusiasm for Christ really catches fire to see that Jesus does not just come into the Bible three-quarters of the way through the story. <laughs> you know, he's not like the last-minute substitute in a, in a football <laughs> yeah. match who scores the winner. You know, he is, he is the manager, he's the player coach, he's, you know, he is everything from Genesis to Revelation. So ho- hopefully Christians got a bigger vision for Jesus too.
0: Yeah, great. So where can folks go to think more about this? If
1: you want to learn about Christ in the Old Testament stuff, um, my blog, I've got a a, a long section called Christ in the Old Testament. Just go to ChristTheTruth.net, ChristTheTruth.net. And uh, on the homepage, you'll see Christ in the Old Testament. Mm. And there's a, there's a tab there that you can click on. And there's a whole bunch of articles that take you through the angel of the Lord and other uh, Trinitarian Old Testament passages and how it's fulfilled in the New Testament and how down through church history, um, Christians have always seen that Christ was active and known and trusted mm. all the way through the Bible. Um, so, yeah, go to ChristTheTruth.net
0: and, and check out some more. OK, and we'll also have a link to the actual debate uh, which you can listen to on the unbelievable podcast. Uh, but if you just go to speaklife.org.uk slash TEP, you'll find this episode plus lots of others. Uh, you, if you click on that link, there should be a link there anyway to it. But uh, if you click through to this episode, um, you'll be able to see links to, to that. And we'll link up the blog post that you wrote as well as your uh, Great. Christ the Truth website. Great. So that's uh, a good um, overview. <laughs> that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, if you'd like to keep up uh, a little more updated with us at Speak Life and Glenn's calendar as well, then do visit our website, sign up via email. We'd love to keep you informed of what goes on at Speak Life. And we also produce a small booklet each quarter that includes some of the de- amazing things that God is doing around the world. You can find it by going to our website, speaklife. Dot org dot UK. But uh, I think that's it for now. So, without much further ado, <laughs> see you next week. Bye bye.